Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 136. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Welcome back to the Veterinary Project Podcast. You have Dr. Mike Bug, Dr. Jonathan Light. It is a Wednesday afternoon. I feel like we have a lot of energy today. Mike, what's happening in your world? I'm excited for this banter session. For for our listeners, we don't plan these. We just say, hey, what are we talking about? And hit record. Jonathan's leading. He said we're going to talk about something along the lines of goal setting. And I was like, perfect. Let's roll. So you tell us what we're talking about. That's Mike's forte. So uh, Trevor Thronis, we've had him on the podcast before. He runs a professional leadership institute. He has a weekly newsletter. I recommend anybody that this is leadership, this is personal development, um, um, subscribe to his newsletter. His last newsletter, it comes out every Monday morning, talked about a worksheet moving into the end of 2023 and looking at what your goals are for 2024. It's that time of the year. We're already into budget season at Mosaic. Really important. Again, it's a goal setting sheet. I go into it and it flipped the switch on me and it still got me thinking. And why is that? I sent it to Mike because instead of setting up your goals, your gardens of life, your health, I want to be this he-man. No, the questions were, what am I missing in my life? What depletes your energy? What activities do you regularly engage in that make it feel like a waste of time? What activities should you drop out of? It was all the negatives. And I went, what the heck? This is not normally Trevor's style. Then it got me thinking more. This is exactly Trevor's style. Go outside the bounds of normal, really get deep into what you want and don't want and figure it out and then do the work. And I don't want to swear here. So that's, I'm going to leave it at that. Well, I got to jump, jump in. You said all the negatives and it's like, I, you corrected yourself, but yeah, I disagree with you in terms of like, I'm just skimming this document for the first time. And I think it's awesome because it's highlighting all of the stuff. Like I've gone on so many rants when I read the, you know, 10 X is easier. The Pareto's principle, 80, 20 rule. This just highlights all the stuff that you need to quit wasting time on and chop off your list, right? The, the answer is not doing more. It's doing less. That's it. And it puts it front and center. And there's probably 12 questions here and that's it. But without a doubt, you could spend an afternoon on this and set yourself up for success. So what I'm saying in our banter today is I've got some work to do. 2023, it's been a tough year. It's been a big year. Um, lots of growth opportunity in 2023, but I want to have a more successful 2024 in multiple facets of my life. So this coming in, you know, at the tails in the, in the mid Q4 timeframe. Perfect. So thank you, Trevor. Yeah. Um, I got a few words I want to say on this. I'm not going to 
steal the the last word from our guest Jenna oh, today. But wait I, a second, what, wait a second. But I'm I'm cutting you off right there. What did you do even before the recording? He's like, Jonathan, I'm not gonna lecture, but I'm gonna lecture. Well, no, I don't know if this is a lecture <laughs> or not, but this was one of my favorite final messages, right? We always end with what message do you want to leave? I'm not going to do any sort of spoiler, so I'm not going to say it, but listen to the end to what Jenna said, because it ties in with this, you know, and the whole idea of work-life balance. And it's a a, a, a spin on it that I agree with. Um, and I think when you put th- this exercise with that final word, as we head into 2024, it it should provide clarity if you do the work, like you said. If you do the work, and Jen is a perfect example today as we get into our guests and bio, that's doing the work. Here's a 2013 grad, didn't know she was going to move into ownership. Now, nine years, 10 years later, is both a partner in her practice, has started a new concept in veterinary medicine around equine veterinary after hours care. There's a lot of regional on calls there. We're part of a couple, but she's taken that concept a whole different direction. Uh, so talk about somebody that's doing the work and you can see the enjoyment and the 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 growth within her. So great episode for anybody that's looking to either explore different avenues in veterinary medicine, as tends to be the Veterinary Project podcast, or wants to see somebody that's in the middle of it, in the thick of it. Um, and as she describes herself, she's not where she wants to be yet. And that's all right. Yeah, no, it's good. I love I love when we have entrepreneurs on that, you know, see a problem and then turn it to a solution. There you go. So let's get into it. If you're cool with that, any other banter, spiciness, otherwise? Oh, I'll do a shameless plug for um, I am doing a guide to goal setting along with my book launch from earlier this year. Um, so that has to launch soon. I haven't built it yet, but I know what it's going to be. So I'm going to carve it. Say- <laughs> that's how I roll, man. I'll carve out two days and I'll build it because I already know what I'm building, but there will be that for anyone who has purchased the book, um, a guide to goal setting. I am going to bookmark it around the new year because that's that's how I do my goal setting because I just find that's the natural flow. So this season here, November, December is a really good time for reflection and starting to look ahead. And then when, you know, Christmas things generally slow down or holiday season, and then that January sort of getting reinvigorated, I don't like the the concept of New Year's resolutions per se, but I do like capturing that momentum, right? So if it's just there, you may as well use it to your advantage. Excellent. Okay. I'm going to hold you to the fire on that and we will say it over and over until it's available and linked on the website or wherever you're putting it. It Beautiful. is on the website already. You well, I know your book's on website. the website. What's that? Your book's on the website, but is this guide to goals on the website well, too? You have to, you, yeah, you opt into it. You got to be checking out our website more, man. Come on. Come on. All right, everybody, go check out the website. In the meantime, our guest of the day is Dr. Jenna Donaldson. She graduated from the Ontario Vet College in 2013 and has been working as an equine ambulatory veterinarian ever since. She's practiced in Alberta, New York, and Southern Ontario. She's also now a partner at Rodenberg Veterinary, an equine mobile practice based in Schaumburg, Ontario. Through her years working at a variety of different practices, Jenna has developed a passion for creating a sustainable work environment for equine veterinarians. In 2022, she launched 
Trillium Equine Veterinary Services, providing after-hours mobile emergency care to horses in southwestern Ontario. Trillium's equine focus is to improve the quality of life of equine vets, allowing them to stay in practice longer than might be otherwise possible with typical on-call requirements. Enjoy this conversation, wide-ranging, business, entrepreneurial, and fun with Dr. Jenna Donaldson. Jenna, thank you for joining us on the podcast this afternoon. There is no doubt about it. We have a lot of material to cover based on your experience in the equine world, as well as uh, what I think you consider now your side hustle uh, with Trillium. So thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Place I feel that we could start is um, some of the discussion that we had in pre-recording to this episode. You are a 2013 OVC grad. And then you have your undergrad in animal biology. And yep. yet now you are a partner in your practice, as well as a hustler and founder of a side gig that you want to turn into a full-time business. How did that come to be? Yeah, excellent question. It's definitely not the path that I envisioned for myself uh, when I was in vet school and thinking about what I'd like to do afterwards. If, I, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do, I probably would have said, uh, work as an associate in equine practice for my whole career. And it's it's quite interesting the opportunities that come along are, are that we can take advantage of, I think, as veterinarians. So when I landed in a practice, um, Rotenberg Veterinary, my full-time job, um, with such a great team and such a great work environment, when the opportunity to become an owner presented itself, I felt like that was a great next step and I was really comfortable with the with my partners on that one. Uh, in terms of the process from going from an associate to an owner from the time the first discussion arose, what did that time frame look like? And tell us a little bit about the emotional roller coaster, if there was any, that you went through. Yeah, uh, good question. And the it took about a year from when we first started talking about it to when everything, the deal finally closed, as it were. I think that time frame probably would be a lot shorter longer for different situations potentially but for our financial year and everything that's what made the most sense for us and it's interesting I thought I would be a lot more nervous and a lot more apprehensive of the whole process but I had a really good team in place on my side from like the legal and accounting and all of that and then I was super uh, again like I said I was really comfortable with the partners that I was going to be working with um, and it was Ultimately, it was the easiest decision to make ever. So it was a lot smoother than I expected. Jenna, I, yeah. sorry, I just want to jump in to set the timeline. So you graduate in 2013. How long did you work yeah. with these partners before buying in? And then what year roughly was that? Just so we can get a sense of how long you'd been graduated. Yeah, good question. Um, I started working at Rotenberg Veterinary in 2019. And I worked for them for... Uh, two and a half years um, before we started talking about me being a partner, really. Actually, that's not true. They they offered pretty soon after I started working with them. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds like way too much commitment. <laughs> so I said no initially. And then the more I worked with them and thought about it and looked at the opportunities there are as a practice owner, the more I became comfortable with it. So I worked for them for about two and a half years. And then when we started, when we really started talking about it seriously, and then 
it would have been three and a half years by the time I became a partner. Excellent. So the trust was there. You knew about the practice. You knew their their clientele, everything in there where it made it more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then a few years of seeing really consistent finances was was nice as well. Excellent. I want to jump back to one of the comments you made, which I speak with a lot of young associates that are looking at ownership as a possibility is the team. You really described it. For those that aren't on YouTube, you could even see you smile in terms of when you described your team. How did you build your team? Did it happen happenstance? Did it happen as a result of this discussion or did you have it in place already? Yeah, great question. So the team members that were really important to me was we had a great practice evaluator who'd actually done valuations on my practice uh, two or three times previously for uh, the other partner buy-ins. So he knew what he knew the practice really well. So that was great insight. And he told me straight up, like, this is a phenomenal opportunity. So that was really nice to hear, like from the get go. Then um, my accountant, I found she had been helping a friend of mine start her practice. And she doesn't specialize in veterinarians. She actually has like a niche specialty in midwife practice, which is really similar. (laughs) So she had a really good understanding of like small business healthcare needs. So she's been great. She's been super cool. And then I used a different lawyer than the practice just out of necessity. And really, I used him just for the buy-in. And then now going forward, I'll use the same lawyer that we use for our practice. Excellent. All local individuals out of Ontario or were some of them? And again, this is just for those that are looking at similar opportunities as to to how you've done it. Mine are all local or or fairly local. The Brent Matthews, you you may I don't think he's based in Ontario. I forget actually, but it doesn't, especially, especially for the evaluator, that's completely virtual. So it doesn't really matter that having the local accountant is kind of handy. But again, I think you can pretty much do everything virtually now. So if there's a better fit, that's not local, I, I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend that in future to other people. Oh, it's so great, Jenna. And your lawyer as well, too, local as well. Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I bring that up and it, it's a great context. So Brent Matthew, I have used as an evaluator in the past as well. And I'm nor even close to Ontario. Uh, my accountant, I can't remember the last time I actually saw him in person, just yeah. based on the digital yeah. age. And it's the same thing with the lawyers. I have multiple lawyers that are on a phone and that's how we coordinate or through Zoom, et cetera. It's so easy yeah. to do in this day and age. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Is there... Anything in moving to becoming a business owner, and we're going to move into Trillium, that has surprised you to the positive or to the negative? And your your partners may listen to this, so I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable spot. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I have to say there wasn't really any big surprises. I was very fortunate in my job as an associate with Roanberg Veterinary that my current partners were super transparent with everything for me. Like any questions I had, they were more than happy to answer. And they honestly valued my opinion and my input almost the way they would a partner, even when I was just an associate. So the transition was really smooth and easy, which was fabulous. And I'm sure that's not the case for everyone. But I think if my advice would be if you're to other to listeners, if you're in a situation as an associate and you feel that way, and then they offer you a partnership, like it's a, it's a really not that big of a deal of a transition. So definitely something to look at, whether it makes sense for you. And Jenna, I have a question. You mentioned uh, a couple years of really stable finances. Were mm-hmm. you following or or like had privy to the finances while you were an associate? 
Um, not maybe not so much on the expense side of things. Um, more just like on the practice revenue. And then having seen how th this practice was managed compared to other uh, practices where as an associate, like it was very clear that ex the expenses and the overhead were really well managed compared to other places that I'd worked. So um, definitely could see the revenue side and then just like an overall sense on the expense side of things. Excellent. Um, then moving forward, so that's not that long ago that you became a partner. Yeah, correct. And then you decide to start a side hustle, a side business, uh, uh, an, both emotional, but then now turning into a true economic driver is where you wanted to get to in Trillium Equine Services. Tell yeah. us why, considering you just moved into a new partnership and where this puts you in today, because I'm, I'm very curious to that answer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I have worked at, a, as I said, I worked at a few different equine practices before I landed at my current job. And I felt so fortunate when I took on my current role as an associate originally um, to have such a good team and such a good work environment. It was really enjoyable. And it was the experience in equine practice that I envisioned as a student that the first that I had challenges again initially. Um, so I was so happy to reach that environment. And um, I wanted to be able to help others, other equine veterinarians establish some like a really, really good quality of life and whatever that means for them. And I, I've said to several people now, um, I wasn't able to give, like I wasn't able to give great, I can't give great colleagues to everyone like I have, like I'm really fortunate that way. But I was started to think about what were some of the other barriers to a good quality of life in equine practice. And the after hours emergency burden is huge for a lot of people, that's really a struggle. So I started to think about what were some ways that that could potentially be addressed. And especially where I live and work, there's a lot of horses and a lot of equine veterinarians. So I thought that some sort of shared membership driven um, emergency practice model uh, might be might have a chance of being financially viable just based on the caseload in this area. Interesting. So then uh, did you start this off as a, a personal court or did you run this as a professional corp um, that you're you're incorporating and then building a membership off of that? Give us a little bit of the rundown as much as you can, because it's it sounds very similar to a shared regional on call. And yet there's an economic model attached to this, which is so much different and better as well. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot, there are several on-call, sh like shared on-call groups in my geographic area and they're, they're good. Like they're really helpful to a lot of practices, but there are some limitations to them because most of them are just like handshake agreements. There's nothing really formal in place for them. So that can be a bit of a challenge um, when there's like, diff so there can be some sort of un like unmet expectations and unclear expectations. And so my idea with this was just to make everything like super clear and super laid out and, and very consistent and professional in how the services are delivered both to clients and to the member veterinarians. So they know exactly what, what to expect when they sign up as a member and they know the level of service that their clients can expect to receive if they call in with an emergency. Um, that That's sort of maybe more of a philosophical answer to your question, I guess. <laughs> From a, that's a good one. Yep. From a practical perspective, um, it's set up as a separate business, like essentially, I guess, within my personal holding corporation. I thought about um, like setting up two 
professional corporations, one for my shares in my daytime practice and this separately, but my accountant was super helpful on this end. She was like, I don't like, unless you're going to sell it for a crazy amount of money and then your future, it probably doesn't really make sense to do that. So uh, she suggested just running them in under the same corp, like in the same corporation for now, at least. And sorry, I want to jump in. Let's just pretend I'm a, I'm an equine veterinarian out in your area. I run a, run a practice and I want to become a member, right. Of, of Trillium. What does that look like? I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, Costco, is there like a membership fee or is this more of just a contract based where there is no fee? Like, what does that look like? I'm curious. Yeah. Great question. So there is a membership fee associated with the signing up as a practice that's going to use Trillium services. So in exchange for the monthly membership fee, Trillium Equine will cover all of the of your practices after hours emergencies. So from 5 p.m. to 7 a.m. on weeknights and then from 5 p.m. Friday to 7 a.m. Monday, as well as all statutory holidays. Um, <clears throat> so most of the most of the clinics are mostly all solo practitioners. And so they don't necessarily use a formal answering service. So they'll just put on their voicemail. If you have an, if you have an after hours emergency, call, call this number. And I actually use an animal health link who I know the two of you are familiar with as an answering service. And they're phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about them. They've been so helpful. Like it's such a good first impression for all of the clients to have their, their technicians answer the phone. <laughs> so that's been, that's been great. And they've been so good for to work with on my end with like changing different things. And can you make this work? Can you make that work? They're great. They're awesome. So that's been really nice. Yeah. And then the, um, so the clinics pay a membership fee. And then if the Trillium vet goes to see a sick horse, then Trillium will bill the, pra the regular practice. And then the practice bills that call out to the horse owner. So we're not billing owners directly which is nice from our perspective within from an accounts receivable frame from that that way. So you do the work, you build the invoice, you send the invoice to the the practice, the practice then bills a client, but then at the same time pays you for yes, that service. Right. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, and again, we'll, we'll get as, as deep or not as deep as possible um, because it's still in its, its early phase, right? It's been what, a year yeah. and a half? Year and a half. Yes, that's right give or take, um, is it where you expect it to be as a, as a side business at this time period? And, and what is it about it? Cause again, you can see the, the energy and the enthusiasm that drives you to want to build this business at the same time as you have another business as well. Yeah, for sure. It's right about where I expect it to be at this point in time. Yeah. It's hard when you're starting something, a totally new concept, it's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen and what the uptake is going to be. I've been really, really thrilled with the feedback that I've gotten from the practice owners that are using this service. It's been really valuable, really, really valuable. The, there's a couple of practice owners that, for various reasons, prefer to not be on. Well, everyone would probably prefer not to be on call. But for them, it was really, really critical to have their evenings and weekends free for you know family obligations and health stuff and like all sorts of different reasons for everyone. And from that, for them, it's just great. They're, they're so happy. I've had like such good feedback, which has been really encouraging. Excellent. Have you, and this goes back to a question Mike asked pre-recording, uh, have you felt that it has improved 
decreased or made your life harder for the amount of time you've had to put into these different roles that you now carry? Because it's something that people, you know, are, are cautious of when they're looking at additional opportunities or maybe stepping outside of the normal day to day. It's a great question. And for sure, my time has been really devoted to work, probably more than I would like long term. And and I knew that going into this in the short term that I was going to probably be working more than I wanted initially. Uh, again, with the goal of getting it to the point where I am not the one doing the shifts for Trillium as much as more managing things in the background and, and keeping the business running that way. Um, the one really nice thing about it is all of the business knowledge that I've learned is applicable both to Trillium and to my daytime job. So there's times when my, my partners in uh, Rotenberg and I will be talking about something and it's a concept that I spent a whole bunch of time researching for Trillium. So I can bring that knowledge into Rotenberg Bet and it helps us from various perspectives. So there's a, there's a lot of overlap there, which is really cool. Yeah. Jenna, do you mind if I ask how many hours a week roughly are you working just to like put a kind of quantify this? Good question. And it's, it's really hard to say because each week is quite different depending on how much on call I have to do for Trillium and um, Ecorn practice is super seasonal. So this time of year is like our quieter time. So this time of year, a bit more normal, maybe like 45 to 50 hours, I would guess. And then breeding season, like springtime, April and May can be more with Rotenberg bed and with after hours emergencies, usually ramping up in the springtime as well for a while. Yeah. And I, I just asked that. I know we're Jonathan and I especially are very like, you know, pro business. We, I love supporting people that want to go start businesses, but yeah, that's a fact. Like you're, you're roughly within three years, you've partnered into a business and launched a new business. 45 to 50 hours is the slow season, you know, that yeah. it's like, that's just what it is. So I just want to be real for everyone listening that launching a business takes work. It, absolutely. A hundred percent. It absolutely does. And in a lot of the time it's hours that you wouldn't really anticipate like something comes up and you need to sort it out like it's kind of gets yeah as you both know like eventually the buck kind of stops with you and you can't just like you have to de delegate and stuff but ultimately you also have to solve the problems as they come up and fill in where maybe you didn't necessarily want to when someone's sick or whatnot jenna do you have an assistant uh virtual or otherwise that helps you out now or is that a future uh consideration at all in terms of delegating some of those pieces that do land on to the owner's docket no matter what? Yeah, good question. Uh, definitely with Rotenberg Vet, we have vet assistants that work with us every day. And so they help with like at farms and um, with all like the vet work, normal like vet assistant type stuff. And having them in the truck with us all the time is great. If I am doing a longer drive between farms, I'll usually have them drive and then I can get a lot of work done on my computer, like just hotspot from my phone or or, some, or things like that. Um, so I try and use that time as efficiently as I can to get things done. I'm going to jump in for, I know there will be people listening to this episode. They'll know who they are that I've poked a lot of like, have someone drive you. Cause I see yes. that for large animal vets that are putting on all these miles, you know, and then you, the paperwork stacks up and you get home and you have to do it in the evening oh and it's goodness. like, use yeah. your drive time. But yeah, yeah. Love, I love hearing that. Yeah, it's been life changing. So for equine vets, I strongly and my um, partners at Rome Rubet, we all feel very, very strongly about having someone in the truck with us, N not necessarily after hours, but definitely like 
every day, every day on the road. Like we always have someone with us and they, and, and they pay for themselves. We have some, sometimes we have RBTs and some just vet assistants and they like, they more than pay for themselves in helping us, um, keep track of all the billing, all the stuff we've dispensed, making sure everything gets billed properly, helping us be more efficient at farms. Like it's, I, I can't like speak highly about that enough about how important it is in equine practice specifically to have someone to help you. And I try and use them. They're a little bit more focused than I am on the road. So I'll try and have them put in the billing on the shorter drives between farms so that that's done. And then if it's a longer drive, I'll have them drive and then I'll do my like catch up on my medical notes on the, like the more involved notes. And then I'll like catch up on checking emails and stuff and reply and calling clients or texting clients. And so I try to like break it up that way to make things as efficient as possible. There's somebody here listening to this podcast right now. It's going to take your, take your cues. There has to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we joke about this a lot. Mike's had to harass me for a long time as well, too. Yeah, um, I sure. do want to switch it up as our time is going by quick this afternoon. Uh, equine practice is difficult in North America right now. There's lots of horses. There's not enough equine veterinarians. The attrition rates high. The retirement rates high. Uh, you described in our pre-recording having attended uh, the 2023 Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminar. I think this is really important. And I'm I'm sorry for this individual's last name that I'm not going to get right. Dr. Kelly Zaytunian. Um, it's an annual retreat. I believe it's the third year and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this really intrigued me because it's a place we've got equine, uh, practitioners within our group at Mosaic. The equine practice is strong, uh, in, in certain areas across the country and definitely North America. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this retreat. Uh, I could see the drive and the energy and the enthusiasm when you're speaking about it. Why is this so important in this day and age? Yeah. So the, Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminar was launched by uh, four equine veterinarians who, similar, honestly, to me and to why I started Trillium Equine, wanted to help the profession out and wanted to see people being able to stay in equine practice longer. So they started the seminar as a way to to bring equine vets together to learn more about some of the non-clinical aspects of being an equine vet. And also to um, network and support each other and just bounce it. And they, they've specifically designed the seminar to have a lot of structure, but also a fair amount of downtime. So there's a lot of time to, one of the things that I found most valuable was sitting at lunch and talking to other practice owners. And I'm like, hey, I have this problem. Is this something you've encountered? And and what have you what have you done that's worked really well? Or what would you suggest? And I learned so much just and I got so many ideas just from talking to other people. And it, and it was fat. I would strongly recommend it to any equine vet to look into and to consider attending if they can for CE. Excellent. We'll provide a link if there is a link. I'm sorry, I've not even been onto the website or not. I just I yeah, really enjoyed our conversation pre and and it it sounded similar to what Mike's attended a lot in terms of masterminds where you said there was a nutritionist, personal finance session, yeah. uh, lawyer about general considerations for GPs and associates, practice finance. I went, wow, like that's something yeah. that we should all be attending, whether it's equine practice or not. Oh, totally. Yeah. It would be relevant to anyone. It was it's so well done. They put so much time and effort into organizing it. It's really phenomenal. Excellent. Well, we're going to be coming up in time here pretty quick, Jenna. Um, something that's very impressed me since the first day we've spoken, and it's been months in the making to have this uh, pr- this podcast happen. I love your enthusiasm, but then you're, again, we don't know each other. We'd not met prior to last year for the first time, and yet you have such an enthusiasm to want to continue to grow within yourself 
and your profession, equine practice. Where does that come from? How has that come to be? Oh, that's an excellent question. <clears throat> I think one of my core values, I would say, is um, really learning is, is helping and serving others. And I, the best way that I can say that I've learned to do that is to keep growing myself and, and reaching into new opportunities and, and new learning experiences myself, and then being able to pass some of that on to others and, and help others to come along as well. Nice. So that personal drive to help others, which then leads to new ideas and yeah. growth and totally. all the challenges and fun that comes with it. Mike smiling, giggling in the background. Look at him go. You're speaking his language. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, with that, I am going to switch over to the impact round. Uh, we've been through this a number of times, potentially around 135. It is an opportunity for us to go through uh, some short questions, learn a little bit more about Jenna outside of our questions that were today. So the first one, uh, we skipped the horses on this one. Are you a cat or a dog person? Yeah, definitely a dog person. I, I don't know where you guys are in your tally currently, but yeah, in the dog category. <laughs> I don't know either. We would actually have to go back and I am not going to do that myself, but I think we're coming <laughs> towards the dog side again. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I wish we should have tracked it. We didn't. So I don't know why <laughs> I'm blind, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. AI can track it for us now. We can, we can load it up. Somebody that's will right. have that yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, for this, uh, when did you know that you wanted to be a veterinarian? When I was about nine, I realized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually kind of a funny story. I grew up riding and showing horses and I very quickly realized that I wasn't a good enough rider to be a professional trainer. Um, and then I said, what else can I do that <laughs> involves working with horses? So that's how vet came about. <laughs> there we go. And you were in. Yeah. So interesting. I was at a recent, I'm, I'm going off side tangent. Uh, I was at the recent Can West here in October in Banff. And um, one of our colleagues had said the research states that by around 11 years old is when most of the individuals as a percentage figure out they want to be veterinarians. Wow. That's, that's pretty early. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very early. I was quite surprised by that, actually, but I shouldn't be. Um, how would your friends describe what you do for a living? Mm. So in equine clinical practice, that, that's pretty straightforward. So they just would say that I look after horses. Mm -hmm. Do they know about all the other side gigs and partnerships and everything oh, else? Probably, probably not really. They just think I drive around and look after horses, which is this, which is pretty much the essence of it. So that works. What? <laughs> what is your favorite hobby? This is oh, a good one. Um, I recently got into doing agility with my crazy dogs that had way too much energy. And that's really fun, but I still have to, I'm going to have to go with riding horses still is more fun. <laughs> this is an all encompassing life you're in. I like yeah. it. Yeah. What in this world are you most grateful for? Oh, this is kind of cliche, but definitely my family and my boyfriend. He's pretty great too. And very supportive, which I really appreciate. And you need that. You need that support system when you're doing these types of ventures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. 
Well, Jenna, it feels like we've gone through our time here very quickly this afternoon. Um, we want to ensure that we have the opportunity to um, provide some reach outs for those that are going to want to speak about either Trillium, uh, your business ventures, and or perhaps have some questions that we've not been able to answer. Uh, is there a place that they can get a hold of you online or otherwise to continue the conversation? Yeah, for sure. Trillium is on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. So that's probably the easiest way to find me personally is through the Trillium Equine Vet Services stuff. And we can link it. I can send you all the links if you like. Be perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Really enjoyed this conversation. It's tough when you're in, in, in it's not tough. It's easy, but I don't want to go too deep into questions about the business and such and, and put us offside, which we sometimes can go. Um, but it was really enjoyable to learn both about how you change from uh, GP into partnership and finding your right partners and then just feeling that transparency and comfort. And then very quickly going, hey, there's a need here within your group and how can I do it? And working with a whole new model. So I'm interested to listen as as time goes on, how the membership model and, and bringing new veterinarians comes on board. Yep. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. It's not too often that we've had guests that have started something from scratch along those lines with no, no pre-base to start with. Right. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mike. Any words in close from yourself? Uh, just thank you, Jenna. I I love hearing stories of people that, you know, traditionally on call would be labeled a big problem, right? In large animal and equine. And I just like the spin of looking at that problem as an opportunity and coming up with a solution and then bringing it to the marketplace. I think that's super cool. Excellent. Well, as always, we allow our guests the last message on the podcast. So therefore, what message, Jenna, do you want to leave for the veterinary community? I would have to say that my recommendation would be to figure out what you like doing most in life and try and do more of that, however you're able to do it. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others who may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you shared the show with them. This helps us to grow our community and reach more and more veterinary professionals, just like you. Speaking of which, if you would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send us a message via Instagram, at The Veterinary Project, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent via direct message to our Instagram, at The Veterinary Project. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again in two weeks for another episode of The Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.